0: Saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. We gather this next hour in the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our light and our salvation. The light shines on us today from the last part of Philippians chapter 2. Paul begins the chapter by pointing us to the humility and servanthood of Christ, who is highly exalted in the name above all names. And today extends that to the Philippians and to us and says that God is still at work in you. You are the light and to do the good work of his good pleasure. Stick around as we are guided by God's word this morning as the gifts are ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of this program Visit lhfmissions.org for more information of the great work they do around the world, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word on this Friday, we have with us Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer of St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri. And also, I might add, a fellow Minnesota Twins fan, Pastor Klostermeyer. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word
1: somebody asked me uh, last night or yesterday, "How are the twins going to be this year?" And I said, "Well, I never get my hopes up." But, uh, <laughs> exactly.
0: It's only been since '91 since we've won the World <laughs> Series, which you and I remember very fondly. We do. We I do for sure.
1: Very much so. As in college, and I got. That's to right. It. Oh, right.
0: Well, I was, in, I was in sixth grade, so do the math. How about that? <laughs> just a little <laughs> bit
1: younger. Not too bad. Not too much.
0: <laughs> so so, uh, so let me say this little highlight for everyone who's listening today. Minnesota just made an announcement that they were going to allow fans into the stadium this year, 10,000 fans per game. So if you come up to Minnesota this summer, Pastor, we're going to a game. What do you think?
1: Yeah, that would be uh, excellent. I haven't been to that. Uh, I call it a new stadium. It's been around for
0: I don't know how, how many, many years, years already, but but uh, I uh, would love to do that. I would love to. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep that in mind. So, Pastor Quasemeyer, it's been a little while since we've had you on the program. Tell us what's happening for you and the Saints at St. Saint John.
1: Well, we are in the middle of uh, some, uh, some construction here. So uh, we have uh, gotten the foundation walls up, and they took the forms off today. So that's exciting um it's quite a, it's quite muddy because we had quite a bit of rain the last couple of days but uh, it's exciting i'm excited for our project that it's gotten underway and that it's uh, um that God's uh, children are going to be uh growing growing up along with the building and in the building and that our community is going to be able to come and be a part of God's word in this place so i'm looking forward to that
0: what what a blessing, and that's something I encourage. And I encourage our listeners every time that we have a, a pastor on with us, uh, that we would continue to pray for you and the ministry, especially for something like this, where you are um, you are you are building not for the sake of building and hoping they will come, but you're building because they're there. And and how can we make sure that we're able to serve them and bring the word of God and and as you've been doing through COVID, uh serving your community. So I encourage our listeners to continue to pray for Pastor Klostemeyer and the Saints at St. Saint John. Uh, on that note, Pastor, can you begin our time and ask for the Lord's blessings in prayer? Certainly. Let's pray.
1: Lord God, as we learned yesterday from uh, Paul's letter, that we are to uh, have your mind and be servants. We continue that discussion today and help us as Christians to make others more important than ourselves, to submit ourselves to others as you have submitted yourself to us, that we all might grow in your grace and truth and in the end be with you for eternity. Bless us now as we study your word that we might grow in it
0: and grow in our own humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And may we grow in that grace and truth. Today, as we conclude uh, Philippians chapter 2, I find this an, a fascinating uh, a part of, of, well, the Bible, obviously, but also Philippians. And I want your thoughts on this, um, Pastor, is because we. We'll remember uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 11, specifically the humiliation and the exaltation of our Lord Jesus. Those are words we'll continually go back to. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll go maybe to chapter 4 and remember, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or even chapter 3, we'll talk about, Paul goes through the confidence in the flesh and he considers it rubbish. I, I love that part of, of Philippians chapter 3. <laughs> but these verses are ones, I would argue, Um, I I guess I haven't dug into a whole lot. So any thoughts on the background, um, the theme for today, and as we dig into this to help us out?
1: Well, um, the first part of the verses we're going to talk about today, 12 through I believe it's 18, are kind of a, uh, you know, Paul in the first verses 1 through 11 talks about uh, that we're supposed to be humble and that we are supposed to have the same mind as christ and then uh then today verses 12 through 18 he kind of gives us uh, more of a, a way to apply that and how to talk about that and then we get into kind of uh look into paul's uh um paul's relationship with the philippians and and how he's uh, going to send Epaphroditus back to them, and we'll talk about that, and how he uh, is uh, looking forward to sending Timothy to the Philippians to to help them to grow in their knowledge of the truth and those kinds of things. So the first part is more of a, uh, a discussion on how to, and then the second part is more of, a, uh, you know, almost like a personal personal talking with, the Philippians. So it's you know sometimes we don't get as much into the history of these letters but I think we'll do that a little bit today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that that's an important piece too is to remember that if you just read you know five through eleven, you might just think this is a theological um, a book that you have to read at seminary or something, like, oh yeah, okay, all right, this connects to this, and this is this shows the the servanthood of Jesus, and this shows his humiliation and exaltation, and, oh yeah, this is good stuff, you know stuff that we got excited about, well maybe didn 't get excited about, but we do tend <laughs> to get excited about as pastors and during seminary and to hear. But it also is a personal letter. That this, there's this is a yeah. real person with real friends and with yeah. sicknesses and all that. Any thoughts on that? Well, I, I've turned
1: uh, to Philippians so many times for encouragement. It's a, and uh, sometimes it's called the letter of joy or the letter of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And and Paul uses this letter to. Um, I think I read earlier that it's almost like a thank you letter, uh, the Philippians sent him gifts, uh, through Epaphroditus and he's, uh, thanking them for the gifts that, you know, almost like a care package for a missionary. Um, you know, kind of the same thing we would do today. If, uh, if a congregation cares for a missionary, uh, or has, has a missionary as part of their budget then you know, they They send that missionary gifts and support and and so uh Paul is kind of using this letter to thank them, but to encourage them in their own mission as well so um that's kind of what's going on
0: right and I think in a modern day application of this is that your church should send somebody to get you twins tickets. I think that's how this relates, <laughs> correct exactly Exactly. <laughs> all right let's Somebody. get to the <laughs> as you would have said growing up let's get back to the farm here and get back to the scriptures <laughs> let's open yeah. up our bibles and get started in verses 12 and 13 reminder to our listeners that we are reading from the english standard version of the holy scriptures so 12 and 13 paul writes therefore my beloved As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, like you said, he begins with, exhortation is not the right word, kind of a gospel-centered imperative to tell them of how how this works out in their lives. And what is he telling them to do?
1: Well, if you don't take both both verses together, it sounds like uh, they're supposed to uh, work for their own salvation, but then you look at the very next verse, 13, and you say it's God who's working it. So uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So if we go back to the verses before, uh, we see that uh, we are to... Um, If you go all the way back to verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And the best way to find yourself doing that is to uh, have fear and trembling when you are realizing that you are in the presence of uh, God. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you think about the almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God— and that he is in your presence, you know, it almost makes you, uh, you know, like tremble. It makes you sure. shudder a little bit to think of that, that that the God who created the universe created you, but he, is, uh, he made himself nothing and took on the form of a servant. And so we are to mirror that or to take that as an example in our own lives.
0: And that's a good, a good reminder, it points us back to the small catechism that we should fear and love God. And clearly we don't want people trembling and being scared of God, um, especially because on account of Christ and what he's done on the cross. But at the same time, on Good Friday, if you don't look at that cross and see him hanging there and not have a certain amount of fear of saying, holy cow, he is willing to do that much for me, what am I doing? Or what am I not doing? Or how come I'm not stepping up my game a little bit? Well, then maybe we're not looking at the cross correctly. So it's that tension we always live in. How how do you explain that to 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 your members and to other people? Because that, that's a tension that can sometimes be confusing.
1: Well, I've always thought of it as the healthy fear that I had of my dad. I love my dad. And my dad is a uh, wonderful, hard working well, he's retired now, so he's working quite as hard. But uh, <laughs> I was I wasn't afraid of him that he was gonna you know, hurt me or that he was going to um abuse me or anything like that, but I was afraid almost afraid of disappointing him or afraid yeah. it wasn't really afraid isn't the right word. It's a healthy respect for healthy um uh yeah, respect might be the best word to use. Mm-hmm. There's probably a better Greek word for it. Um, but it's uh that word fear that's used in the catechism isn't uh being afraid of as much as it is uh an an awe or a uh, thinking of the majesty of God. Um so it's that's the best way I can explain it is to I, I always had a a fear of letting my dad down, of disappointing him. I always wanted to do the right thing to honor him and to show respect for him. And that's the way we should uh, think of God. God's not going to abuse us. He's not going to harm us, but we still want to, we're, we're afraid of disappointing God and we want to honor him. We want to show respect and show admiration for him, for what he's done for us.
0: And that that points us again to the small catechism. I love how the small catechism always applies. Uh, It talks about uh, prayer. With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children. So with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father. Showing us that, yeah, our fathers are not perfect, but at the same time, when you have that relationship with your father, a good one, and you're describing that, and I would describe that in my own family, is thats is that you're able to come to them, but there's a certain amount of fear when you're going to go to them because you know you did something wrong. You know your, your parents aren't going to throw you down the stairs if you did something wrong, but you also have that fear of disappointing. And, and that is obviously not the same with God, but that gives us the best picture that we can have. When there is a love, when we address our parents, at the same time, there is a healthy amount of fear there. But then there's an assurance. Verse 13, as you said so well that if it's just working out salvation, Lord have mercy, we have no chance. But it's God who works in you both to do to do to will and to work for his good pleasure. And those uh, that, that verse, I have to admit, I, I haven't quoted this verse before, and I think it's one I need to from now on, is the power of God working in us and through us. What yeah. does that mean for us? How would you describe that?
1: Well, it's uh, the fruits of faith. So, uh, the Galatians' uh, fruits of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the good works that flow from faith. And so, um, when we are, when we know God's will, as we do through the. Uh, and his will, um, is that we make disciples, that we forgive, and that we love. And so those are the works that God prepared in advance for us to do. It's the epistle lesson for this coming Sunday from Ephesians, that uh, God prepared things for us to do, to live in, to be uh, as his children. We And, and we're not going to do it apart from being his children, but just like I... Uh, Uh, worked on the farm because I was my dad's child uh, and dad had the farm. So as God's children, we work in his harvest field doing his work because we're his
0: children. And and that's helpful, too, for his good pleasure, that yeah. that God doesn't leave us alone to do this, but we do it. And I guess I like, I like that wording, one, because I like go into Chick-fil-A, and when they get done, they always say, my pleasure. <laughs> it makes me a little bit hungry, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but at the same token, it is, he's doing this for that you would do it, I guess you would say, to God's glory. But I like this idea, for his good pleasure, that God is pleased when we do these things, because he's working through us, and it's and it's all to his good pleasure. I mean, describe that to us. I love that language.
1: Well, it's just you know, like we as as parents, we love going and watching our kids do good things. We love, you know, if your kid is an athlete, you love to go watch them uh, play their sport. If they're a, a, a drama person, you love to watch them go and act in place. If they're a musician or a uh, singer. We love to hear that from our children. We love to see our kids do good things. And so you can imagine the God who created us, how much he loves to see us and watch us do good things. It, it gives him joy. It gives him pleasure to watch us, uh, you know, share his good news, love people, care for people, forgive people, That that nothing gives him greater pleasure on this earth and watching his children do the good things he's given us to do.
0: As we say in the benediction, um, may he look upon you with favor, I think is another good way for us to look at this, is on account of Christ, that he has good pleasure in us, one, in faith, but also as we do his work on this earth. So 12 and 13, any last thoughts there, Pastor?
1: Well, I think we need to understand that, uh, to make sure that people understand that it's not. So that God can have pleasure on us, but because he has already loved us. So we always have to keep that in mind that we're not doing the good works we do so that he loves us, but because he already loves us.
0: Wonderful. Well let's move on, and I and I want I want us to think about these next verses in the way of uh, how how have you pastors seen this in your life? And also for our listeners, I didn't say this before, but if you have any questions or even comments about what we're talking about today, uh, write an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Because these are, we, we, we always have to take a step back and say, okay, how was God doing this? How, is, how, is God, how are God's people working for his good pleasure on account of Christ because of his humiliation, exaltation, his example, and his saving grace upon us, um, how is he playing this out? And I, I, I'd love to hear some of your stories, Pastor. As as we already established, you've been in this longer than me, so I'd love to hear some of your stories as we look at this. Let's read verses fourteen through sixteen. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life, so in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He starts in verse 14, uh, Pastor, do all things without grumbling or questioning. How easy is it for us to get caught up in grumbling or questioning?
1: Oh my, it's uh, way too easy because as pastors we deal with people and people are sinful. And so it's pretty easy to start grumbling about people until you until you realize that you're one of them. <laughs> and so, That's true. And then you start uh, having a little more understanding. And I uh, like your Chick Fil A reference. Everybody loves Chick Fil A partly because it's good chicken, but even more so because it's good service. hmm And how much easier is it for people to have their ears open when the message is uh conveyed in a in a loving uh joyful uh caring way that's why in the verses before paul makes sure that we understand that we are to count others as more important than ourselves mm. so it's a um we have to have that attitude, the same attitude of Jesus when it comes to serving others. And that's why he tells us don't grumble or question, um, because all that does is that uh, puts a stumbling block in front of people And when, when God is using you to uh, share the gospel. So, it's, uh, so that we can shine like stars, so that in the middle of a, uh, I love those words, crooked and twisted generation, Mm -hmm. and so christians are to look different in this crooked and twisted generation we are to shine like stars we are to be a light in the world Um, and you know if we are uh, focusing on the love and joy and peace of christ um, that is something uh, that shows difference it shows how we are different than the world.
0: And that and that's exactly true. And and it's something that we have to work on even harder during the social media age. And yeah, and we... it clearly was an issue in that church, you know, uh, in Philippians, because without grumbling or questioning, and he says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And and clearly he's not saying, he says in other parts, he's not he's not about to say that people are not sinful or that if you don't Gossip or any of those kind of things that all of a sudden you 're going to become this perfect person but if if we follow the Eighth commandment and we do this, defend people, speak well with people, and explain everything in the kindest way we 're going to look a whole lot more blameless and innocent than we did prior, or definitely more uh, uh, less uh, blameless and and more more uh, blameless and innocent than much of the world because the world just wants to throw everyone under the bus, and if we as Christians are not. I'm speaking badly of people. We're going to look pretty good. Now, that's not the goal, but you know any thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: I think of um uh, the phrase uh burning bridges and sometimes mm. if we get to be grumbling and questioning and complaining and and uh, you know, like you said tearing other people down, then uh we're kind of burning a bridge between the gospel and needs to hear it and so um i think that's kind of Paul's emphasis here is that we don't want to to uh, cause cause a stumbling block or cause somebody to to put up a wall to the gospel we want the last thing we want to do is be a hindrance to the gospel so a lot of times it's best to just let the gospel uh, be front and center and get out of the way and don't put ourselves in the situation and you're talking about um social media, I I I've been uh uh guilty of it myself that I start grumbling or complaining about something and then all of a sudden it gets out of hand and, and I say, Wait a minute, this isn't what I'm supposed to be about and so we catch ourselves, even as pastors, uh complaining about things that, you know, really don't matter uh, and the the gospel is, uh, is uh, hindered because of it. Right.
0: And I do remember one particular time that I was speaking with an individual, and, and it, it goes like this, that we need to control our tongue. Obviously, that's something that Paul speaks about. Uh, control our tongue, but also, let's be honest, we fail. I mean, there's a certain amount of... Uh, when we hear these words of of Paul, that we realize that we have failed in this. And I was speaking to a particular man, and we talked, and, and to be honest, I couldn't remember a ton of what he said, but he said some things that I suppose could have been against the Eighth Commandment, or it was, I guess. I just didn't notice it at the time. And he he came up to me the next day, and he goes, Pastor, I apologize that I said this, this, and this, and this. And and that's part of this, too, is that there is this innocence and blamelessness when you repent. And that was, I told them, because of Christ, you're forgiven. And and there's that aspect of this, too, that that looks different than the world as well, that we, that we not only say those words, but we repent of them, and that as Christians, we forgive them as they go through this life. In the crooked and twisted generation, we know that there is redemption and that there is washing uh, cleanliness in our Lord Jesus. Uh, any, any other thoughts on those?
1: Yeah, um, well, just thinking um, that you know this—I uh, hate to use an overused term—but this cancel culture is is void of forgiveness, and mm-hmm. and uh, we're quick to judge and quick to condemn and quick to put everybody under the bus um, when the Lord Jesus gives us just the opposite directive to be quick to or slow to anger uh, and slow to judge and quick to forgive and quick to uh give peace and you know more and more Christians can be examples of that and be different from the world in that way now
0: too absolutely and, and kind of uh, to move forward in, these, in this language here in verse 15, you shine, in the light, uh, shine as lights in the world. And this goes back to Jesus' words. Obviously, Paul would have these words on his heart and mind as he's saying this, where Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. I mean, in John, he says, I am the light of the world. But then he looks at us as ones who um, you know, have been crucified with Christ, no longer I live with Christ who lives in me. You are the light of the world holding fast to the word of life. How, have, how would you describe that to people? And how have you seen that in ministry, that people are being lights in the world?
1: Well, I can think of, you know, hundreds of different people in my life of people who just, um, you know, they, they were the example that chapter two is about. They were humble and they were joyful and they were caring and they were kind um, but all of that flows from the light, the light and the peace of Christ that dwells in them. And that of course comes through uh years of reading and studying the scriptures and living uh living a life of repentance most of all. Um and so I can think of many very wise people, my uh grandparents, my parents, my uh, teachers growing up in a Lutheran school, and many teachers who were examples of that. And and uh, many of my parishioners here at St. John's have been wonderful examples of that over the last 20 years, that uh, they have, in essence, humbled me because they were uh, as much, if not more at times, uh, knowledge, knowledgeable of the Scriptures
0: and the love of Christ in their own lives. Well, let's hold on to other stories if you have them, because it's time for a break. I lost track of time. Uh, We are studying Philippians chapter 2 with Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer. We'll be right back. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the goodness of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in his words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Peace Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Hope Lutheran Church at 1045, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in prayer at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. And welcome back. We're studying Philippians chapter 2 with Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer. And we had just gotten to the point where we talk about how God works in you, that to do both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And he tells us that we are lights of the world. And this is, Pastor Klostermeyer, you were just getting into how Teachers and members and family examples of how they were lights of the world, which is proof that God is in work in at work in you as the baptized, as the ones redeemed by Christ. Um, people being humble when, especially towards us, when we probably didn't deserve um, to have someone humbly come before us, and and they humbled us to show how God is at work. Any other thoughts on these? Um uh, through verse sixteen to this point, Pastor.
1: Well, I just think of I think of all those people because they took an interest in me and in my life and they made me uh, more important than themselves. So they were in essence serving me. And that gets back to the beginning of the chapter which you talked about yesterday, that uh, yeah. uh think of others as being more important than yourselves and a lot of times as human beings, we get turned inward and we think about only about ourselves and how the Lord can help us. But uh, if you want joy if, and if you want to experience the love of Christ, the best way to do that is to turn outward and to share the love of Christ with others and to make their lives uh, more important than your own um, and to take an interest and take an inventory of their life and to help them in any way
0: that you can. And I think that's a good segue for our next two verses, 17 and 18, as he speaks about being a drink offering. We'll read. Paul says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. He speaks about drink offering, sacrificial offering. What is he talking about?
1: Well, it's uh, Old Testament stuff, I believe. And uh, Mm -hmm. I have, uh, I think um, if I read this correctly, it says wine or oil was poured out in the Old Testament sanctuary. And so it would be an offering upon an offering. It was like the... um, not sure what to compare it to in today's world, but it was yeah. uh, an extra, an extra offering. Would the would be the drink offering? So, um, if he was to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, that would be like a double offering, I guess you would say, or a double yeah. uh, sacrifice. Uh, um, I'm having trouble coming up with the words, but. Uh,
0: I, me too. That's, that's kind of why I asked you, hoping you had better words for it, but I guess we're together on this one. <laughs> he, I, I really read this and it really it felt like that understanding of um, if I am going to be in jail and you are to be fruitful in faith, then thanks be to God. Um, yeah. That I have offered myself. Uh, and I, like you said, I'm not sure how how do you take a, wine, a drink offering and compare that to today? I don't know. It's definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I can't even think of anything that, that we would do that would be and you know, if someone has out there an example of this, I would love to hear it. If you want to email us about how that might relate to today um, for you, our listeners but also just understanding offering upon an offering and it is bearing fruit. And with that, I rejoice. And he says it twice here. I rejoice with all of you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice. I wanted to ask you this pastor, um, because I can always tell the joy that you have, you know, we've had a number of interactions with each other. And, uh, why is it important that in all circumstances that we are able to have joy as Christian people?
1: Well, cause you know, it's the the already, but not yet kind of thing. We are already God's children. We are already saved. And getting back to the verses before, uh, we're to look different than the world, especially in this, uh, uh, COVID time where it's a whole lot of doom and gloom. Um, the Lord, uh, Lord's presence needs to be heard and seen and felt, and how he does that is through us, through his children. And so that's why it's important to be glad and rejoice, to rejoice in our sufferings, to rejoice so that uh, the joy becomes, uh, um, what's the word? I can't think of words all of a sudden today. But uh, it can be contagious. That's what I'm thinking of, that, uh, that people see our joy,
0: And glorify our Father in heaven. And that is such a theme and so important to remember that when Paul's writing this, he is in jail. And there are things that he's just (laughs) not able to do because we tend to associate joy with freedom as Americans. We tend to associate joy with uh, feelings that I'm feeling happy, therefore I have joy. And if there's something bad, then I don't have joy uh, but here is speaking about that continuous understanding of who we are as a child of God, and I love how you how you said that it 's not the now and night, it's the now and not yet, that right now we 're a child of God, but we we know the end of the story, we know where we 'll be, we know who we will be with, which is our Lord Jesus, and how can we not have joy in all circumstances, even when we grieve because what the Lord has done for us? So Paul is just such a great example for us and how the Christian life looks in all circumstances. We are looking at these first number of verses, as you said, kind of the first section of our reading today. Any last thoughts before we move on to Timothy and Epaphroditus?
1: Well, Paul's Paul's whole attitude and his whole reason for living, you might say, is the gospel. You know, he says, I, I resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so anything that's going to get in the way of that, he says, get rid of it and have a spirit of service and humility so that others can see Christ through you and i think that's the that's the purpose of the first 3
0: quarters of chapter 2 and I, i'd like to encourage our listeners too as we hear these words these are good words to pray about for yourself How can I be a light in this world? How can I be one? Well, first of all, to have the assurance that God is at work with me and through me. At the same time, how can I uh, speak well of others? How can I continue to work in God's kingdom and also to pray for others that they may do the same? And at the end of the time, that we may be able to rejoice. And now we move forward to what I think is an important thing for us as the church, is to see how other people in the kingdom are at work and, and uh, that we send people on their way, whether it is people in your church or in the kingdom. Uh, they go here, they go there, they go across the world, they go across town, they go to different places, and God works through them as well. And today we are looking at Timothy and Epaphroditus. So first we'll start with Timothy, verses 19 through 24. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will genuinely concern for your welfare. For they they all seek after their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I shortly myself will come also. So I wanted to break down a little bit about this guy named Timothy. People will know that he's a guy that has two books written about him, um, to him, excuse me, two letters written to him. But do you have any thoughts about who Timothy was and I don't know, maybe some history? I don't know. What some words on Timothy as he writes this.
1: Well, Timothy, um I did uh brush up on my my Bible history and uh, who Timothy was. He was uh, born in Maestra. He had uh, his mother and grandmother are the ones who are counted as the ones who brought him to faith. Um, later on, after this letter to the Philippians in the mid to late 60s, he became a pastor in Ephesus. And uh, but before that, he went uh, as Pretty much a teenager and a young adult, he went on missionary journeys and, uh, with Paul. So he was kind of like Paul's right hand man, and and did a lot of work with Paul, and and taught and preached and all those things. Almost like like Paul says in here, as a son with his father, mm-hmm. um, or as a a vicar, <laughs> if you want to yeah, put right. it in Lutheran terms. <laughs> And uh, he did a lot of uh a uh, lot of writing with Paul and a lot of uh Paul would send them here and there and then Timothy would come back with uh, reports as to how things were going and all the places that Paul had been to before. And uh it was uh it was just a good good kind of uh pastor and uh kid relationship or a father son relationship. Uh, father in Christ. He had a had another father who was a Gentile, Greek, and we don't know too much about his dad, but it, Paul became kind of like a father to Timothy that way.
0: And, and yeah, kind of like a father-confessor type of uh, situation, or like a, sometimes we call him a bishop on our vicarage. And for our listeners in yeah. the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, when we're a vicar, it's like our third year of seminary where we'll go and, and Well, as as some people said, like you play pastor, but you're not pastor (laughs) for a year. But anyways, Timothy obviously was a pastor. We would argue that. Um, But he was he was uh, the spiritual father was Paul. And even writing the Philippians, he to the Philippians, it says Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to begin this epistle. Mm -hmm. So Timothy is not like this subservient, servant, um, uh servant to a master, but they were co workers yeah. in the yeah. gospel of Christ. And he wants to send them to the Philippians, right? Is that what we're is that what we're feeling from this? Yeah, he uh you know, Timothy
1: is with him. Paul wrote this, uh, most likely. We don't know for sure, but Paul wrote this in prison and and uh, so he couldn't go anywhere. He was stuck there, but he could send out uh guys and so he was looking to send Timothy that way so that uh, Timothy could do some more mission work among them there in Philippi and then maybe later come back and and uh tell him what's going on uh, so it was uh, kind of like a short-term mission trip for for Timothy that Paul was sending him sending him on
0: and that's as wonderful uh, uh the way he speaks about Timothy so he wants yeah. to send him there and how he speaks about them is not like, I'm 7 Timothy, he's a good guy, move forward. No, <laughs> he, he compares it to others in their area. Obviously, he's speaking about um, those of this twisted and crooked generation. For there obviously are some others who seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, in in, in Philippians... He also speaks about, kind. he doesn't say it as strongly as Galatians, where there's Judaizers. He doesn't speak as long as he does in 2 Corinthians, where there's super apostles. But he does kind of give a little bit of a feel for that in chapter 3, which we'll get to on Monday. But here he's speaking about how there are people who are against the gospel. But this is not Timothy. Timothy has yeah. proven his worth. He is a man that is a, a, a godly man, and he's going to send them. And, and Paul also says, I can't wait to come to you as well. Any thoughts on, on how he speaks about Timothy?
1: Well, it's, I, like I says, uh, for I have no one like him who will be mm-hmm. genuinely concerned for your welfare. So Timothy had some uh, uh, interest because it was kind of his home area. Uh, Rome, Rome's about, uh, I was looking this up, that it's about 800 miles from Rome to, to um, Philippi. And that's, hmm. Philippi's kind of the northern area, Ephesus is a little bit south. And so Meister's kind of in between. And so that was kind of Timothy's home area. So he would have a little bit more interest in the people there because they were kind of his own people. Um but at the same time, he was genuinely concerned for their welfare as somebody who was concerned uh for their faith um not just for own, his own personal gain, not just for recognition, but he put going back to the beginning of the chapter, he put himself and or put their concerns before his own
0: and and that's a how kind make that distinction of how far away Philippi is from Rome. Because if you don't, and and this is what I encourage our listeners, and I'm actually looking at a map right now as you said that, Rome and Philippi are not, they're not nearby each other. (laughs) This is a long ways to go. So clearly that letter did not get there quickly. Well, at the same time, it's a good reminder for us that um, he writes us not only in jail, but far away from these beloved people. And what is required to get there and the memories and the what happened in between, you know, you have Thessalonica and you have these others and different missionary journeys. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens between there. So he's definitely writing um, in a context that is it, not even conceivable for us because we could fly from Rome to Philippi or something nowadays, you know, it's from, from like Minnesota to St. Louis kind of thing. Um, but for them, that was a long ways to go that would take a long time so this is this is pretty deep in the heart as you said this is kind of home country but there's a lot more to it um, than first meets the eye any thoughts on that
1: yeah well like you said um, well, we'll get into Epaphroditus here in a moment but uh, how much it would take just to get there just to bring <laughs> a letter um, you know <laughs> to go 800 miles in a car is exhausting. And uh, so you can, it, it kind of boggles the mind that these guys were walking, maybe taking horses, um, donkeys, camels, whatever they had to take to get there, to get to places. And, you know, it'd probably go a little bit smoother on a ship, but the ship wouldn't be able to get there any faster um, from Rome to Philippi. So it's a, um the, the intestinal fortitude that these guys had uh, makes you realize how tough and how how strong they really were, and how the and gospel it also, was really
0: important for it right. for them. And so that's exactly what I was going to say is that and the gospel was that important to them. And I you know this is something that um, that I probably will bring up a number of times is that when Paul writes this one in jail, he's in jail because of his confession of faith. That in our culture it's important for us too, as lights of the world, to be very clear about our confession, because he's in jail. All the you know, even to go on a ship, as you said, well, he gets shipwrecked a few times too. So this is not exactly an easy way to go either. The the walk or the uh, the, the boat is not always a good way. Either way, there is always a, a fear, is that we as a culture, we now, as he did then, need to be very clear in our confession that Jesus is lord and we have a very clear that's why he writes philippians 2 to show of the exaltation and humility of christ is to show them this is not like the other gods this is not like the culture this is not like anything else that this is something that is free it is a forgiveness and something no one else can give and he's willing to go as far as death in order for people to know it uh I think let's move on to Epaphroditus. This is, I have to admit, this is a name I've never really focused on and never really studied much. So I'm kind of excited to hear your insights as well. So let's finish out the readings 25 through 30.
1: Well, I was just looking up. uh, Yeah, go ahead and read it first. Sorry.
0: Okay, go for it. Let's do it. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need for he has been longing for he has been longing for you all that he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill indeed he was ill near to death but god had mercy on him and not only on him but also but on me also lest i should have sorrow upon sorrow i am the more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that i may be less anxious so receive him in the lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. All right, so you did some research on Epaphroditus?
1: Well, uh, Timothy's name means honored uh, honored by God or honoring God, but Epaphroditus is uh, kind of the opposite. It's belonging to or of Aphrodite. So it's a... Oh. It's... <laughs> So there's no good Christian uh, meaning to his to Epaphroditus's name, uh, to his name. Um, so he's he was a a Gentile who became a believer, and uh, he must have been in pretty good health when he left because he's the one they entrusted their care package with. And so Epaphroditus made the 800 mile trek from Philippi to Rome to bring. Uh, their care package, bringing the stuff that they wanted to give to Paul. And so hmm. we're not necessarily what was all sure what was all in that package or what he brought, but he brought it 800 miles. And on the way, I imagine, or maybe it was while he was in Rome, he got really sick, and he just about died. And somehow word got back to the Philippians that he just about died because they heard about it. But they hadn't heard that he recovered, <laughs> and so mm. the Epaphroditus then wants to wants to get back as soon as he can to show him that he's alive. Mm. Um, he has such care and concern for his his family and his friends back there in Philippi that he can't wait to get back to show him that he's still alive. And the same care and concern Paul has because he can imagine how they how worried and how upset and sad they must be thinking that, that he died, but he didn't really die. So it's a very personal thing here, very human uh thing going on in this in the rest of these verses, you know. Uh and I always enjoy and I appreciate the the personal nature of uh, Paul's letters and how sometimes he gets really down into the you can almost picture him writing and you can picture the the stuff that he's writing on and how it can, and his, it talks about how he's anxious and how he wants Epaphroditus to get back so they can be full of joy again and just the real humanity of it all in it.
0: And it says here, there's only two times that Epaphroditus is ever mentioned and it's here and in chapter four, verse 18. And this is, I mean, like I said, I've, I probably have uh, read this name and then just kind of said I can't pronounce it. Therefore, I just moved on. But in, and if you mm-hmm. go to four verse eighteen, it says, uh, and I would encourage our listeners uh, for you to to turn to Philippians four eighteen. It says, "I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent." So obviously, whatever they sent, it was substantial. You know what? Yeah. You know, it wasn't just like a. Uh, like a little piece of candy or something that we would envision today, that this was a, a care package that they needed. And then it says a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, which I, I haven't researched this, but as far as I can read from footnotes, is that it wasn't like they sent a a ram to, for him to do a sacrifice over, but he said it was like a fragrant offering, a, like a burnt offering in the Old Testament that was a, a aroma pleasing to the Lord that to Paul this what meant more than words can describe. How would any thoughts on that? Do you look into that at all? Um, I didn't get a chance to look into it too much, uh, but I,
1: I know that, like you said, it was substantial and that it uh, um, it was important enough that Paul mentions it, and that he, well, pretty much, like I said at the beginning, that he writes a whole letter to thank him for it. You know, that's kind of the reason for the letter to the Philippians. That's why he's sending Epaphroditus back, so that he can uh, thank them for what they did for him. So, you know, again, we don't know exactly what it was. If it was, uh, um, you know, food, I'm not sure food would have made it that far. Uh, If it was money um whatever it was it was uh, very substantial and it and it probably kept Paul alive a little bit longer
0: that's very clear. That's very clear from this. And this is one of those cases like in confirmation class where kids would say, well, what was it? What was it? Do you know and, uh, how many wise men were there? How many of this? How many of that? And and what did they all do? And I, I put that I, I made the acronym WDK. We don't know. And I just and I say, kids, what do you think that might be? Well, we don't know. And we don't know in this situation, but we knew know it was, it was substantial, not only in amount, but also in meaning. And how substantial Mm -hmm. that was. So verse 28 says, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice. So once again, he is focusing on not only the joy we have in the Lord, but the rejoicing that we can have of being together and that I may be less anxious, which I found that interesting that um, sending someone away would make him less anxious. Clearly it's not because uh, Epaphroditus is a horrible roommate or something. Um, (laughs) But there is definitely that I am able to know that you are being taken care of makes me less anxious, kind of that joy of giving, kind of that joy of counting others more important than yourselves kind of dynamic he has. Any thoughts on that? We have about two minutes left here. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, um, I can compare it as a pastor to when people move away from uh warrenton and they move to a different town and they uh uh, eagerly search out a church and they transfer to that church it Mm, gives me comforts that they are are not just thinking of their physical welfare but their spiritual welfare is taken care of and you know as a pastor god gives us his heart for his people i said that many times and so not just as a pastor, but as Christians. God gives us his heart for others. And so when others are taken care of, when others are having joy, when others are experiencing the gifts of God, then we have joy and rejoice in that. And it's, it's a wonderful, uh, fulfilling, uh, satisfying thing to to see and to experience that.
0: In about one minute here, Pastor, can you sum up our verses that we read today in a sentence or a word or summary that you have for us that applies?
1: Uh, Well, um, if you want to be a light in the world, be different by caring about others more than you care about yourself. But always, always, always keep in mind and keep in front and keep in focus the gospel that our Lord Jesus Christ loved us so much that he suffered and died and rose from the dead for us. And if you keep that as the focus, and front and center, you will do good, and you will bring peace to others.
0: Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer of St. John Lutheran Church, Warrington, gifts today from Philippians chapter 2. Pastor Klostermeyer, first of all, hope to see you at a Twins game this summer, but thank you for being our guest. I'll keep you in mind. And bless any. You too. Saints of our Lord, shine as lights in the world, for it is our Lord Jesus Christ who has work in you, and we thank God for the others that he has brought to us. Hold fast to the word of life, rejoice, and rejoice in the Lord. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.